What? So let me get my notes going here. So we're going to continue in our study in Exodus, which has been awesome. And for some reason, my notes just disappeared. Wow. Yeah, let me see if I can get it back here. Uh, hmm. Anyway, you know we're in Exodus chapter 8. Do you think the enemy would like to stop us from what we're going to do tonight? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me read here uh, Psalm 78, 1 through 4 first. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. That's Psalm 78, 1 through 4. We want to remember tonight, as God has commanded us to do right here, not to hide what has been done, but remind ourselves and our children and not to forget the works that have been done of which have not been repeated in the history of the world, the works of God, his wonders. And that's, that's what that's all about right there. And we'll see. That's what we're going to be doing tonight. We want to remember the wonder of God's work when we read through the scriptures and recall the things that God has done, we're studying his word, we're listening intently, I hope, to hear his voice and to allow God to speak to us. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, well, how do I know what God wants? I go, was well, God talking to you? So well, how do I know God's talking to me? I go, are you reading his word? That's why it's called his word. That's how he speaks to us. Right here, his voice. Now, if you're just praying, that's great, but it's only one-sided. Your side. You're talking, you're talking, you're talking, but you're not letting him talk to you because you're not reading. So, let's take a moment and pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you, God, 
just how wonderful you are, Lord, to show us your mighty works and your mighty hand. Lord, how you used this event to show the world your mighty power. To show the world who you are. And so, Lord, we, we want to ask you, Lord, that you would speak to us and that you would show us who you are. That you would show us your power. Lord, that we would not forget to share all this with everyone around us, to share with our family, our friends, our children, to pass this on from generation to generation. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 8, gentlemen. Starting at verse 16. That's where we left off on verse 15. Henry left off there. We'll continue. We're going to start now with the third plague, which is lice. Now, that's not lice. That's a mosquito. All right. But let's get into it here first. The third plague, lice. Verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Let's stop right there for a second. Lice could also be translated mosquitoes. But it's kind of loose. It could be also translated um, ticks. Either way, it's bad news. Okay, Uh, The Septuagint, which is the Hebrew Bible of the Greek, uh, it kind of translated, it could be... um, like I said, mosquito, or could be a, a tick. Either way, it's a parasite. It's, it lands on you, and it sucks your blood. It's, it's not good. could be a mosquito. Some of them said that maybe a commentary said it could be a gnat, but they weren't sure because a gnat's a little bigger, and uh, so we don't know. But anyway, it's not good. Verse 17, and they did so. Oh, wait, I wanted to just point out something real quick here um well never mind let's go on let's go on and and they did so for aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on man and beast all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of egypt now the magicians remember his priests the magicians they so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, quote, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. God said this to Moses earlier, didn't he? He says, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. He's gonna, his heart's going to be hard. He was an I'm going to harden his heart as well. Um, a little bit about counterfeit. Having something that is a counterfeit, it only confirms the reality of what's real, right? You can't have something that's counterfeit unless it's imitating something that's real. Now, I used to work at a bank years ago. I used to be, I was, I was like the worst teller in the world. I, I was always miscounting my cash. I think people came to my window because they knew I was going to give them an extra dollar or something. It was just, 
And my, my drawer was always out of balance. Anyway, one of the things they trained us on was learning what a counterfeit bill looked like and what it felt like because we had them, not because we used them, but because they handed them to us and somebody didn't recognize them. So, so we had a whole set of counterfeit bills. And so they used it to train us as a teller in the bank, you had to know what was false and learn it, right? Because if you saw a dollar bill, you knew the real thing. You know what it feels like. You know it because it's in your pockets, right? You, you already know that. Now, you study it a little bit, but what about a fake one? What is it missing? What does it feel like? So they use it as a tool to teach you. Uh, we also had to study, uh, you know, what they... Um, how they would use it, like how, how they present it to you and stuff like that. And so we had to learn about uh, what we can do uh, when we, we get it handed to us and uh, you know, when we had to encounter this. Now, the reason I bring that up is because here are these priests, these magicians. They are replicating the miracles that, let's see, the, the blood, right, under Nile. And they came out and they duplicated it. They replicated it. They did the same thing. And you're thinking, man, how did they do that? Or how could even God allow this to happen, right? Okay, so then the second one of the frogs. Frogs came out of the water and were all over the place. They were in the palace everywhere. <clears throat> judgment on their gods because they worshipped the animals. They worshipped frogs. And, and then the magicians did the same thing. Okay, but, but here now we see these signs and these wonders that God is showing. And you notice that God shows them first to Moses. And then he shows them to Aaron. And he shows them to the Pharaoh later on. God shows Moses one. Uh, in the beginning he shows them a burning bush. It's not consume, consumed, right? Remember that? He hears an audible voice of God calling out of the bush. The angel of the Lord. His voice. Now this is real stuff. He has the rod with him and he turns it into a snake. That was the first time. Now it's just him and God. So Moses sees this. Moses also sees something horrendous. And it would be for me, I don't know about you, but he tells Moses to put his hand in his bosom and take it out and it's leprous, right? That would have freaked me out completely. I mean... You think death right away, I'm dying. That's it. You know, look at your hand falling apart. I mean, crazy stuff. I'm a big baby when I get sick, I guess. I don't know. But he pulls it into his hand and he pulls it out and he's whole again. Clean skin. Now that, that would affect me. I mean, if you get sick and you're healed just like that, that affects you. You see the reality of God. You see his, the, you don't see counterfeit. You see this is real. This, this changed my life. Something like that would change your life. The destruction of your flesh and then the renewal of your flesh. Moses saw that. Moses now knows of God's power. God showed it to him first. He taught him. This is the reality. This is the real miracles. God could have created a vast army to rise up and overthrow the Egyptians. 
right? Remember the whole reason they were made to be slaves was because they were more in number in chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. So the Egyptians were worried of a possible uprising. And God in his mercy also knew that even by physical strength or battle, the Pharaoh, he wasn't going to let them go. He wanted to show his power. Right? Zechariah 4.6, this is not by power nor by might, by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm going to show these people something. And he shows Moses first. And God had a purpose for what he did. And God had a purpose for Egypt as well, as we, we will see. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. He said that in chapter 7, verse 5. He says, I'm going to show them that I am the Lord. He doesn't just want to go in there and maybe turn this whole you know, tribe of people into Samsons and make them all strong and overthrow the Pharaoh and all the Egyptians, which God could have done. I'm sure there was an easier way. But he wanted to show the Egyptians this power. He says, I am the Lord. I'm going to show them. And you look at God's mercy. Because he could have wiped them all out with one breath. And he didn't. Moses sees a real thing. He experienced the real thing. Because later, what does he see? He sees the counterfeit, doesn't he? Do we know the real thing? When you walk into a church, you see people worshiping God. You hear a pastor teaching. Do you know, do you know the real thing? Or if you turn a channel to a Christian TV program, do you know the real thing? Or are you seeing a counterfeit we got to ask ourselves that. You know, um, there's these magicians. I was thinking it was going over this. There's these magicians. They're called uh, Penn and Teller. Do you guys know who they are? They're very famous. Because they do a great work. They're, they're a team. They work together. They're very popular because they're very good. And um, they have an ongoing show in Vegas and stuff. But they also have a TV show called Fool Us. I don't know if you saw that, but... They, they invite these young magicians to do their tricks before Penn and Teller, which, you know, these are the old veterans of magicians. And they know all the tricks, right? They know them all. So they challenge these young kids to come in and fool them. Show us a trick that we've never seen before, you know. Try to slide one on us. You know, we're the, we're the kings of magic, right? And they sit in front of the stage and there's an audience behind them. And, and they do their magic for Penn and Teller. And it kind of reminded me of this, because here you have the Pharaoh in Exodus 7, when the first presentation of, here's Moses, here's Aaron, and Pharaoh sits there like on his throne, and he's, he has magicians, he has priests, he's seen lots of magic. He just sits there and goes, show me a miracle. You know. Like, it's nothing. Like, all right, come on, show me a miracle. All right, you know, okay, here come some more magicians. Moses and Aaron, okay, come on, show me a miracle. Almost like, you know, come on, entertain me. 
It was just a show. He sees tricks all the time. But see, we all know it's just a trick. There's some kind of sleight of hand, some kind of flim-flam going on, some kind of preparation that, that happened. And so we know it's just a trick. It's, it's, it's just magic. You know, the cards, and they worked something out. They had some preparation. <sighs> these tricks, these magic, they, they, all this magic, all these lies, they had help from the dark side. They had help from demons and Satan. 2 Corinthians 11.14 And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Right? It was time for Pharaoh to see some magic. He wanted his priests to perform. He, and God wants Moses to be ready. God wants Moses to be ready to show him the real thing because Moses is going to show him the real thing. The king sitting on his throne, ready to be entertained. See, Pharaoh's heart was far from God. His priests, they were entertainers. I hope that we here at church are not just sitting in the sanctuary or at a Bible study with our hearts far from God waiting to be entertained. And we see a lot of entertainment creeping into the church today. We have to be careful. And Xavier has has said that a couple of times, how it creeps in, entertainment. It creeps in a lot with the music and worship. Now, I know this. And at first, when Xavier would say that to me, I'd get kind of, you know, tweaked. I'd get a little offended, like, Wait, wait, what are you, what are you, what are you calling me, X? You know, but no, it's true. If you were to go to some of these other churches, these mega churches, and you see the show that goes on there, and I've seen it, not not just the lights, like like we have just kind of these blue lights, and sometimes the lights change color. That's nothing. We're talking moving lights, and smoke, and spotlights, and it just craziness it's just wild there's a show going on people are sitting there and they're entertained ah dangerous we got to be careful we have to guard our hearts because satan can counterfeit the works of god and he does it and to say that it's not happening today you're fooling yourself it's happening you see the magicians were replicating the miracles and uh, it, it wasn't Penn and Teller. <laughs> it was uh, in Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells us their names. Right? Janus and Jambres. At <clears throat> 3, 8 and 9, it says, Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as, their, as theirs also was. He's referring to uh, another magician in the days of Paul, uh, a guy named Simon, who was doing the same thing. Anyway, that's another story. It is said that uh, Janus and Jambres may have been included with the Hebrews during the Exodus. 
in witnessing firsthand the work of God that they may have left Egypt with Moses. Part of the mixed group who left uh, Egypt but caused Moses a lot of trouble. They stirred up the people against him. Uh, the first plague, water of the Nile to blood. Second plague, frogs. You guys talked about that last week. Strike three, the third plague. And what happens strike three? You're out, right? I love baseball, sorry. <clears throat> blood everywhere, the first one. Frogs everywhere, the second one. Lice everywhere, the third one. It's getting worse. It's getting a lot worse. Now these insects, now these things are, this plague is going to be touching your skin. It's not just blood or frogs. It's, it's, it's touching your physical body. Um, strike three, the magicians can't replicate this one. Verse 19. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. Their power is now overmatched. That, they could not create life from dirt. It's like God is saying, hey, only I do that. Right? In Genesis, God creates from the dust, breathes in life from nothing. And here Satan was going to try to do that. He said, no, no, no. You can't create. I am the creator. So God stopped him right there. The counterfeit is not allowed to go any further. Since this is the third plague, I thought it should be uh, fun to mention just a short list uh, regarding the number three. Because it's amazing. It just blows me away. The significance of that number. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. Three times. Right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Three. Jesus died and gave his last, last breath at the age of 33. Jesus' ministry lasted three years. Abraham was to sacrifice his son Isaac after a three-day journey. It's just, it can go on and on. The number three is used 467 times in the Bible. Um, it's a picture of completeness, like the numbers uh, 7, 10, 12. There are three patriarchs always mentioned together Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's 27 books in the New Testament, which is three times three times three. I'll let you run with that one. Three with the third power. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested. He was placed on the cross at the third hour of the day at 9 a.m., which is divisible by three, and died at the ninth hour, which is for us 3 p.m. There were three hours of darkness that covered the land while Jesus was suffering on the cross. It just goes on and on from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. Three all over the place. Uh, three is the number of the resurrection, right? 
Christ was dead for three full days, three full nights in the tomb. It just goes on and on. There were three individuals who witnessed Jesus' transformation on Mount Hermon. Those who saw Jesus' glory on the mount were John, Peter, James. Three. Paul also was privileged to visit the location of God's throne in the third heaven. Three. It's just craziness. I can't go on and on and go all the 467 times, although it would be fun. Let's move on. The fourth plague only involves the Egyptians now. Okay, it's getting worse. There were three. The, the mosquitoes, the, uh, the gnats, whatever you want to call them, the lice. But now the fourth one is coming. Oh, and one little thing. The, these plagues, God told Moses and Aaron, hey, go tell the Pharaoh this is going to happen and tell them to let my people go because this is going to happen. In which he didn't let them go. But you notice on this one, on three, on the lice, he doesn't tell them that. He just says, do it. He just, they just dropped a big one on on. On the Pharaoh. They didn't announce it. They didn't tell him. They said, that's it. Just boom. Just give it to him. That's what they did. Now, the fourth plague only involves the Egyptians. This is going to send a special message now to Pharaoh. First of all, the Pharaoh's priests, they couldn't imitate the sign that they recognized. And the power, the powerlessness that they had of their gods and of the presence of the Almighty God of Israel and his wrath. And now Israel and the Hebrew slaves were now being protected by the same Almighty God. Amazing. The fourth plague, flies. <clears throat> now flies, well, we'll get into that. Let's read verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, <laughs> throws that one, or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. Okay, so there's a turning point here. I'm going to show you that I'm God. Not that these plagues come, but I'm also going to protect my people. I'm, I'm showing you my wrath, and I'm showing you my mercy, and my kindness, and my love. This is who God is. 
And God declared, this is going to happen. The plague on the Egyptians and protection on the Hebrews. The same Almighty God that brings us the blessings can also bring us His wrath. Which would you prefer? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John 3.36 See, so we see this. Life and wrath. Hebrews, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31 And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him, God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. This is Jesus talking, Matthew 10, 28. So which do we want? Do we want the the wrath or we want the kindness and love? And He shows us both. Verse 24 And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the houses of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Now, he said that it'll be on the ground too. I don't know if you've stepped on insects, but if you want them off you, sometimes people freak out and they start running, but... If you're running and they're on the ground too, it, that's, that's craziness. You can go crazy. The Egyptians, they worshipped insects. Their god, Kepri, was highly exalted as the power behind one of their main gods, Ra, the sun god. That Kepri, the god, would push the sun god up in the morning and take it down at night. And they pictured this as an insect, like the dung beetle that rolls the dung up the hill and makes a big giant hill. And you would see on some of these uh, paintings in, in Egypt, they have this dung beetle with a, you know, their big clipper antenna thing. And they, that's what they, they worship this, the insects because they did this thing. They, they rolled up the dung of the animals and, and, the insects, the, the dung beetle especially, would lay its eggs inside this big heap of dung. And the insects, the new insects, come out of there. So their thinking, their thought was, well, this, this beetle needs to be worshipped. The insects need to be worshipped because they just roll up these things and life comes out of it. It creates life. So here they're thinking the insect is, is, is a marvelous it's a God and they worshipped it because it created life and because it brought up the sun. And he, what is God saying? No, it's all over you. It's eating you and devouring you. The insects, you have to step on them. It's, it's nothing. And God says, I created it from dirt. Dirt. It's not, it's not bringing the sun up. It's not taking the the sundown is not bringing up the moon. It's God's creation. The god Kepri was strongly associated with rebirth, 
with renewal, with resurrection. God is judging this. And who is the Lord of the flies? <laughs> Beelzebub, right? Traditionally known by that name, Satan. He says, this is, this is who you're worshiping. Now, these were not everyday um, house flies, by the way. If you go to Psalm 78, where I read earlier, but down to verse 45, it says, he sent swarms of flies among them. He's talking about this event, which devoured them. He says, and frogs which destroyed them. Flies that devoured them. Now, the normal house fly doesn't devour you. It just lands on you or makes you sick. So this was something more than just flies. These things were biting them. You know, maybe that was a mosquito. Maybe that was the fly. I don't know. It was kind of used in a generic form. But Psalms kind of gives us a little more insight. It said these flies were devouring them. Otherwise, why would Pharaoh care? Why would he make a big deal out of this? Let's go to verse 25. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses, so, so you know, here is Pharaoh. goes, okay, fine, I give up. This, this, this awesome God of yours, go, get out of here. And Moses said, it is not right to do so. For we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? Now at first, uh, I remember this kind of confused me at first, but if you remember in Genesis 46, um, God told them to be shepherds and that the shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. So he's saying, okay, well, if we do our worship right here in front of your people, in front of the Egyptians, they're going to stone us. They're going to get rocks and, and kill us because we're an abomination to them. We need to go about three days' journey away and away from their sight, and then we'll do our sacrifice there. So it makes sense. Verse 27, we will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he will command us. Verse 28, so Pharaoh said, I will let you go. Oh, finally, right? I'll let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very, very far away. Intercede for me. <laughs> so he doesn't want him to go too far. He goes, okay, I'm going to let you go, but you, know, you don't need to go that far. He says, and he says, well, he's kind of saying, pray for me. <laughs> right? But he says, your God. It's not his God. Pharaoh, doesn't, he's not having any kind of conversion here. He's saying, you go ahead and go and sacrifice to your God. I'll let you go. And pray for me while you're there, will you? In verse 29, Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you. And I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not 
deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. I thought it was daring for Moses to say to the Pharaoh, don't lie to me this time. I mean, this, this is a man of power here. You know, he's telling, he's telling the king, the Pharaoh, don't con me. Right? So, verse 30. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. How would you like the Lord to do unto the word of you? (laughs) Oh man, it's powerful. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. Not one fly. They all died. They were all gone. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Oh, the good guys lied to again. But really, didn't uh, God tell Pharaoh this was going to, I mean, tell Moses this was going to happen? Yeah, he knew it. See, Moses knew the truth because Moses knew what was real, not what's counterfeit. Why else would he tell Pharaoh, don't, don't lie to me. Come on, don't, don't con me, man. I know you. He saw the real before the counterfeit. We need to know what's real. Now, the world will tell you that you as a Christian what you're doing, even sitting here tonight, that that's not real. That God is not real. That your belief is not real. That your, uh, your political slant is not real. But isn't that what Satan does when he lies to us? He's telling you that you're, what you believe, the life that you're living, everything that you've done, living for God, that it's not real. That's Satan telling you it's not real and it's real and in fact isn't that the most deceitful of everything to say what is real is not real Satan knows it's real demonic angels know it's real they know Jesus is real but at least they tremble at his name but for Satan to tell you what you're doing is not real wow He knows how to lie. He's had many, many years. He knows how to get you. To tell you what you're doing is not real. To tell you what you're seeing is not real. You could be reading this book. Reading here, you could be walking into this church and see a whole congregation of people with their hands raised, worshiping the Lord. The Spirit is moving. And you walk in and sit down and sin goes, that's not real. Whoa. Or you see somebody you know and they turn their life around and give it to Jesus and they have a whole new life. And you know that person. You know him before he gave his life. And man, I I know a guy and I'm telling you honestly, I know this guy. I knew him before he was saved and now I know him now and he he is not the same guy. But when he wasn't saved, I held no hope for him. I really didn't. 
And that was bad for me. I was like, there's no way that guy's ever going to be a Christian. There's no way God can ever turn that guy around. And then when I did see his life get turned around, there's that whisper. He's not real. It's not real. He's faking it because he's, he's going to suffer. He doesn't want to suffer the consequences of his sin. He's turning to God to get away from it. Wait a minute. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Didn't we all do that? Wait, what's wrong with that? The consequences are coming. God's wrath. We don't want to be in God's wrath. We want his kindness, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his long-suffering and patience with us. So don't listen to that guy. It's not real. No. You know, we need to listen to what's real. God's word. And when we're sitting there at church and we're hearing something or we're praising God and we're worshiping, our hearts are what's searching out for God, right? And God said he, he is searching for those who are looking for him. His spirit goes around. He's looking, he's counting all these people. He goes, okay, I look at his heart, I look at his heart, I look at his heart. Okay, they're right on, they're right on. Oh, no, there's a bad one over there. Okay, but hopefully they're going to reach him too. And the Spirit goes around looking, searching for those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And what's the opposite of spirit and truth? Flesh and lies. And we have to watch out for that in our spiritual walk, when we are dealing with our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we're worshiping God, when we get together, when we pray for each other, when we sing songs together like we did tonight with Daryl, in worship, in spirit and in truth. We have to be careful with the entertainment because the entertainment, that's part of the lie. Now, with music, we could be entertained. It's easy. It's in our culture. It's part of our culture. And it's, it's okay to appreciate good music. But when it comes to worship, we can't allow ourselves to sit back and not apply our hearts to worship and just allow ourselves to be entertained by good music. Now, it has to be good and I always say this to the worship uh, ministry people who are involved with me in worship. I said, I always say, you know, it has to be good to a point so that it's not a distraction to people who are coming in and, and you know, sitting down and they're going to worship the Lord and, and there's somebody up there just hacking up a, a chord that's, uh, you know, out of tune or, or something. It's just now, you know, at one point you're worshiping God and then at one second you're going, oh, that was bad. Took you right out of worship. So, you, you know, there has to be a level of, of skill when it comes to music and when you're using music as a tool for worship. But when you're letting yourself just sit there and go, oh, I like that lick. Man, that was really cool. Or, you know, now you've, you've taken yourself out of worship. You need to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth and watch out for the lies of entertainment, watch out for the uh, lies that Satan and 
the enemies of God are going to throw on us to tell you that what you are doing is a lie. Now, you know in your own heart whether you are worshiping God when you listen to a Bible study, when you sing songs with us, when you give of your um, tithe and stuff like, excuse me, stuff like that. You know in your own heart. So, you will see the evidence when, when God is searching your heart and you start asking the Lord for things. He says, if your heart is in the right place, you know, you're, you're going to get it. Now, the thing is, when it comes to um, gifts, like um, if you're asking for things, God says, He is a father. And he gives good gifts to his children. So if you're his child, you're, his, you're in his family, he's not, he said, what kind of dad is that that's going to be giving his father a, you know, a snake or something when he's asking for bread? What kind of father is that? And God is a, a good father. And if you're, your life is right on and you're, you're searching, you know in your heart, if you're sincere, God's going to answer your prayers. He's going to be speaking to you. You're going to be growing in the Lord. You're going to be getting all these things. But only you, you know, you know. You know your heart. So, plague three, strike three. He's out. Plague four, the wrath of God. So we'll continue on. I think Henry has plague five next week. The the, ex, the book of Exodus is just so amazing. So awesome. I'm so glad you guys are here. Let's uh, go before the Lord. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, you're just so good to us, Lord, to show us. Lord, you show us what is real. And you show us the truth of who you are. Lord, you make it known to us that there is counterfeit out there. That the enemy would like to whisper in our ears that there are lies. And that our lives are not real. And that we're living a lie. But we're not. We know, Lord, in your word is truth. And Father, we want to live in your truth. We want to live in your kindness, in your mercy, in your long-suffering, in your love for us. I pray, Father, that we would be strong, Lord, so that not to incur the wrath that you have to those who rebel against you. I pray, Father, that we could live a victorious life in you, that we can give our lives to you on a daily basis. And not have our hearts far from you like, like, Pharaoh, like Pharaoh did. But that we would know like Moses did. The reality of who you are through your word. We thank you Lord for the faithfulness Lord to teach us who you are. For the faithfulness to bring us to this place. And your faithfulness to teach us your word. 
<clears throat> so, Lord, we want to thank you. And I thank you, Lord, for these men who love you, Lord, and want to serve you and give their lives to you. So, Lord, go before us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, guys.